Voices of VR podcast. Hello, my name is Kent Bai, and welcome to the Voices of VR podcast. It's a podcast that looks at the future of spatial computing. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash voices of VR. So this is episode number 11 of 12, my coverage from MetaConnect. And today's episode is with Dirk Van Welden, who is of iIllusions. He was creator of Space Pilot Trainer, which was a launch title on the Vive. It was a launch title on the Quest and is now working on a mixed reality game called BAM, which is a multiplayer game that was showing there at MetaConnect. So I wanted to sit down with Dirk just because he's kind of an OG of the VR developers involved with a lot of the innovations of virtual reality, creating you know really compelling shooter that's out there. And yeah, just has had a, a huge impact on the development of virtual reality as a medium. And so I'd be very curious to hear some of his thoughts and reflections of being one of the first developers to be launching a mixed reality title that's going to be launching with the Quest 3 of BAM, which is more of this multiplayer experience. I think, you know, part of the dynamic is that it's going to be an experience that is for people to be co-located, and it's going to work both on the Quest 3 as well as in the Quest 2. Quest 2 only has black and white pass-through, whereas the Quest 3 has color pass-through. Yeah, just wanted to get a sense of his journey into the VR space, a little bit of a historical reflection on the early days of room scale VR, and now looking into the future of mixed reality, you know, with the augmented reality overlays, and, you know, what gets him excited around this going back into this land party feel of bringing people over for these different gaming experiences, and trying to unlock the fun and some of the more embodied gameplay that can have the tabletop aspect of the mixed reality, but also have some embodied movements that you can play with each other and really emphasizing the different social dimensions of the interactions that are happening in the context of these mixed reality experiences. So that's what we're coming on today's episode of the Voices of VR podcast. So this interview with Dirk happened on Thursday, September 28th, 2023 at MetaConnect at Meta's headquarters in Menlo Park, California. So with that, let's go ahead and dive right in. I'm uh, Dirk van Welden from iIllusions and Foam Punch. And iIllusions is known for a Space Pirate Trainer and now BAM, which was just announced at Meta Connect. Yeah, I've been original backer for the DK1, was a launch title for Vive when it was released, a launch title for Quest at Altly Space Pirate Trainer. And then they, we did a DX version with Arena in it, a 10x10 multiplayer game. So now BAM, it's, like an, it's an AR game, a multiplayer party AR game. Awesome. And maybe you could give a bit more context as to your background and your journey into this space of XR development. Um, yeah, so I'm an engineer. I worked in the music industry, actually. And while I was working in the music industry, my hobby was game development. My first game was a mobile game, I guess. I released back like in 2008, nine or something. And I worked really hard on, a, on an indie game called Elemental, which was released on Steam in 2012. This was like my first moderate hit. But with those connections back in 2012, I got like introduced to people at Valve back when it was like without green light, so you had, really had to apply to get your game in there. And when they announced the Vive headset, I was so compelled by it, especially with the six Duff, because I like I, I tried the DK1, I was getting sick with just rotation, so I really liked like the six Duff. And I wrote an email to uh, Matt Nickerson, who was my DevRel at Valve. And without him replying, I just got like a, a Vive dev kit <laughs> in my mailbox. I was super happy and dropped everything because there was only like one task dev kits available. I was working on a snowboard game back then. But I dropped everything, put it in the fridge. I just wanted to work one month on something else. And it, actually in that month, I made the prototype of Space Pirate Trainer, put it on the forums for free. 
I think people at Valve were actually using it as a demo, and then they invited me in January, like one month later, to demo it to press. <laughs> and I was like, dude, but this isn't a game yet, like it's a demo. And they, yeah, you don't have to change it. And I spent like two more weeks working day and night to just make a game out of it. And then I demoed it somewhere in Seattle together with like a lot of the other people, like Job Simulator, um, Tilt Brush was there, Arizona Sunshine, like a lot of those people. And yeah, and then they just said, uh, like, everyone was like, we don't know what's going to do VR, but everyone's pouring their souls in it. So I kept on working on it. And in the end, yeah, it, it's, it did really well. It was one of the top selling games when the Vive came out. And I was so compelled by it, so I kept on working on Space Pride Trainer just because of the success for like two years. So that's like free, a lot of free updates, ported it to different platforms as well, like PlayStation VR and, and Quest One, and uh, integrated chipsets for Microsoft back then when they released their headsets. Yeah, and then uh, we released, I think, the Arena version, but yeah, it was so hard to set up, and we actually thought hardware was going to catch up with what we were doing. Uh, it was so hard to set up that people weren't really playing it a lot and I get it I know it's hard to set up and you can't play it outside so that you find like a spot without sun or at dusk and so I was kind of like underwhelmed by the fact that so little people right so I, there weren't a lot of people playing so it kind of demotivated me in some way because it's super fun and then I just spent some time on the snowboard game I was actually making back when I was started working on Space Pirate Training about a completely different thing. And that we spent like two years working on Shredders, which is a PS5 and Xbox Game Pass game. And in the meantime, we released that and I was compelled by AR again because then we saw the whole AR headsets coming up. And I was kind of feeling like maybe we should do something with AR that's not been done yet, maybe something. I really like the social aspect, so maybe something that's a party game, and then that's when BAM happened. Like, it's actually one year ago, this time one year ago, it's actually when I started making the prototypes of BAM. And did you start prototyping it on the Quest 2 then? Actually, yeah, yeah, we started prototyping on the on the Quest 2. I know the pass-through was like black and white, but we knew like the Quest Pro was there as well. And pass-through was getting pretty good, so we ordered a Quest Pro. I think Quest Pro was already available, so I think we, we were working on that as well. Yeah, I think it was born with Cable okay, want to bring like the whole land party feeling back and I want other people to see each other and shout at each other and, and maybe commandeering like small puppets fighting each other, like being a kid again on the table and having like action going on. So I was inspired by Quake 3 and Super Smash Bros. I think those were the two games that inspired me to make BAM. But I think like at some point it could have stopped like the whole process because I couldn't figure out like the aiming how to aim like with your character because it works if the character like the tiny character is facing the same direction as you are it's easy to aim but the moment like it starts rotating it's impossible to aim right and we figured it out it took like a week or two and the solution is super simple but like if you don't have a solution it's actually hard to figure it out but the way how we do it now is like when you point at something yourself like when you're aiming physically yourself your character is standing at a different position will aim at a spot you are aiming so it's kind of like a third-person version. It's like you're the 3D mouse pointer of your character is going to aim, but you can still move the character the same way. So we'll always aim where you're aiming. And that thing, we had to figure out more stuff, of course, but that thing was kind of the, okay, and we need to do it now. It's going to be fun. And I think we had a playable demo back in March. And yeah, we just continued working on it. Meta supported us for this as well. So, and now it's coming out at launch in two weeks.
Yeah, and you mentioned also that it has like the shared spatial anchors. Maybe talk about like what are some of the other core technology that you needed in order to pull this off. Yeah, so spatial anchors was an interesting one because like there's real magic in looking at the same miniature characters that the other player in your room. So I have a video, I can probably share it to you. It's, it's a video of where I, I'm taking a table, you can scale it wherever you want and put it in a specific position. Your partner can actually grab the same space space and run away with it and you'll actually see like, it's the same as like a deck of cards. If you would pick up a table and you run away, it would actually go away. And this is the case as well. But um, you actually are looking at the same thing. So if you take your character and you shoot at its face, like the tiny lasers will actually go in his direction and you can see him dodging and like that interaction between player and the puppets and waving your hands as a tiny character towards the other player, it's, it's magical. I really, I really like that aspect. So we try to amplify it a lot in the game. Yeah, this is in a section here at MetaConnect that I had to wait in line to go see it as like a multiplayer game. And I, at that point, I had already seen all the demos and I was like in my interview mode. I didn't actually have a chance to see it, but I'm curious if there's any embodied interactions, like if you move your body around, does that impact anything? Or is it all from the controller? Like maybe just walk through a little bit of the control mechanism since I haven't seen it. And just so as people who are listening can get a better sense of, it sounds like you're looking at like a tabletop scale, like these little robots that are firing each other. You can point to aim, but like, are there any other mechanics where you're moving your body or impacting how this character is moving around or if it's just with the controllers? Yeah, so moving around is just with like the joystick, so you can move it around with that. It's always your point of view, so if you're standing the other side of the table, if you press up, it'll go away from you. There's one more button, it's jumping and rocket pack, but all the rest is like... In the first version, you're actually at punching in all directions, but you felt that once people really know how to play, they're only using the triggers, but the direction of your arms is super important. So if you're waving, you see the tiny character waving as well. So you can actually have interaction. You can actually pet the other character if you really want to. But yeah, for example, punching is the same as dashing. So actually, if you put your hands upwards and you dash, you actually fly in the air so you can move around like direction of your hands are super important in hitting the other player, for example. So you can dash upwards, dash downwards if you put your arms downwards. So actually the direction is super important. Like moving isn't really important. You will probably move because you want to see like the whole arena. So there's sometimes there's some things that are in the way. So you'll probably move your head a bit, but that's kind of the only thing. And also something interesting, at some point, like we were always looking down, right, on a table and we're thinking maybe it'll be some neck restraint if you're playing it for like half an hour. So we made the combat very vertical so you can jump around and dash up. You can be really high in the sky and still do like punching in the air. And so it's something we really took into account when making the game. There was a lot of like movement throughout like the whole 3D cube around, around the, the battlefield. Then the NTS is just puppeteering a tiny character, just using his hands with very simple buttons. Like if you play the 3D Mario, you can control the character. So it's just a jumping, just a D-pad and your arms with the triggers. So. Nice. And, and so what's been some of the reactions here at MetaConnect? Yeah, well, one of the best reactions was someone that said, like, my first experience with VR was Space Fire Trainer, and it was awesome, and I had my first real AR experience with, with BAM, and it was also super awesome. Thank you, uh, iIllusions, for trying new stuff or, or, like, being innovative in that field. And that's, for us, that's a big compliment, because also tech is something that drives us. Like, the reason why we, did, why we didn't do VR, like, three years ago, like, we did that Shredder's title on, on consoles, so it's actually because I was thinking, like, the hardware is moving too slowly or there's 
it was going to like you had new chipsets it was faster but I really needed like new things to experiment with and good AR and pasture and depth was was really interesting for us to start experimenting again with, with the AR game. Yeah, I think uh, you had asked me like what I think about the new MetaQuest 3 and I said, well, I think that's a good technological platform that's going to need a lot of great software that's going to make it a truly compelling platform. And I feel like there's something around the new platform capabilities that perhaps inspired you to start to tinker around with it. Or like, there's a part of me that's skeptical around where this is going to go, this mixed reality. I think VR is amazing in terms of entertainment. And I feel like there's this kind of more, like Denny Unger said, a utilitarian utility that happens with AR. But yet with VR, you're fully immersed and you have entertainment. And I feel like that's like so much more of a medium that's well-suited for the types of immersive and interactive and fun transportive experiences. And I feel like by bringing in the physical reality, it sort of diminishes that. But you'd mentioned the social dimensions and maybe, yeah, just kind of expand on what you thought was a compelling new aspect that inspired you to kind of tinker around with the medium again. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought because like I tried Magic Leaf, for example, I was a judge at a DICE event and I tried most of the games and for 90% of the games I was like, this would be way cooler in VR, right? It would be way more immersive and, I, and that's actually the case with a lot of games. But thing that compels me the most in AR is the social aspect, like seeing other people, seeing their reactions. I know it's kind of co-located and it happens less, but it's just, it brings some magic from LAN parties before people start shouting. You see other people's reaction, you see them dodging like a dropship that comes in and bringing power-ups and those social connections are super interesting and people might say like, okay, but what's the chance that someone has like two headsets in their house? Well, a lot of people that have a Quest 2 might buy a Quest 3 and then they have like an extra headset and all the tech, like the pass-through, it's still working on a Quest 2. Okay, it's black and white, it's less resolution, but you get the same feeling and there's some kind of magic with the whole multiplayer, seeing each other and looking at like, it's, it's actually like playing a board game, but really intense. And that's what I really like, but I completely understand for a lot of experiences, VR, like if you look at immersivity and especially first person, yeah, it's way better to make VR experience. And I also completely agree with the, like, AR will be mainstream because of apps, right? Like, we saw the whole AR thing that was embedded into glasses, and if you look at something, you can ask, what is this? Okay, that's a really interesting part, but most interesting part will be like, okay, can you now show me the way to the nearest Best Buy or whatever, and it will draw a line on the floor. It's simple stuff like that that will change people's life or just gain them time or make it easier to move around. That will be the things that make AR successful as, as a mainstream thing. Yeah, I know at the early days of RoomScale VR, back in 2016, I had managed to get a dev kit. And so I was on this list that included all these games, including Space Valley Trainer. So you're on this like select list of games that people are tinkering around with. So love to hear just any reflections on that moment in time of both innovating with the technology, but also receiving what other people were doing and having this cauldron of innovation with RoomScale VR back in the early days. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned it because RoomScale VR or like the positional element was kind of a thing that made me believe in VR immediately. Like the fish demo, <laughs> like uh, uh, that the, we the, had. The blue? The blue, yeah, yeah, the blue. <laughs> the big whale uh, was so awesome. I was like, okay, this is really cool. There were some very, very early demos because I actually had a dev kit that was printed, 3D printed controllers. It made me think like, okay, I want something 
Okay, I want to shoot stuff because uh, there was nothing to shoot. I had a bow demo or something and made lasers and I needed enemies and I made like those typical space trainer enemies. I wanted them to be smart, so I made them very physical. But then the most important thing was like, okay, but now I need to make people move like in a way that's like, when they will move, they'll be like, oh, this is cool. I can actually move around. So then we made like the lasers and made them slow down and made them beep and like really loud and really in your face. And people would just step aside after the one hit, or maybe even like most of the time just naturally. And I was a lot of people went like, oh man, this is, you can't move in 3D space. And you had to move people because a lot of people weren't used to moving around. Most of the demos, and actually if you put them on in Spacebar Train, they would just stand still until there was this first laser and then they moved aside and you saw that in their movement that, oh, this is an actual 3D world I can move in and they start moving around and what, what are the edges? But that first step was super important and I think most of the demos that Valve selected had that kind of moving around and they knew that moving around in a virtual world kind of like, it was way more immersive. And when I look back at all the studios that demoed there, like a lot of the studios were super successful and I think they did a really good job like picking the right ideas and putting it in front of the press because it was very broad in terms of gameplay but also very interesting to see like all those different people that actually didn't connect much back then after the event of course we've been friends from that moment i guess and back in 2016 or, or 17 and yeah it was magical to be in that group awesome yeah and as as you look forward what are some of the the features that you're looking forward to in terms of the MetaQuest 3 and what's going to maybe unlock new gameplay capabilities as the software continues to develop and evolve? Uh, I really like, uh, it's been said, in, but not really at the keynote, but they'll have like body detection. Like you can actually, they'll detect like hand poses and, and even like uh, AI leg posing and stuff. And that's really interesting. Like, and even if maybe if they can do that, they can probably do it with people walking in front of you as well. And then it gets really interesting because then you have like this really like what is real, what isn't real, and then having real information inside of your headset. Like for example, in, in Spacebright Arena, we made this whole level builder, so you can actually build your own levels, even the multiplayer in the game procedurally. So now with the whole like mesh API, we could theoretically like make a space practice level based on the on the mesh that the house makes so you'll have a full-blown space part level with those colors and like those textures in your house and you can play against each other and that brings in a lot of opportunities yeah. awesome yeah well you've certainly been on the bleeding edge of innovation and in, in this medium and are, are there any other experiences that you want to have that haven't been created yet Oh, if I wouldn't, if I would have those ideas, I would definitely start making them. That's bad. There's a lot of, you mean, in terms of content, there's a lot of good stuff coming out. Like, I mean, the productions are getting better and better in every genre. Like, I even have a full-blown, like, Breaches, for example, is a great example of, of titles that are getting graphically better. And that's a whole community. We have a lot of, like, artistic titles that are still, like, from the early days even. Some of those titles still mean a lot in terms of research. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, like, I, hopefully all of the new tech that's being introduced gives, like, room for new experimental stuff. And hopefully there's, like, new, actually, gameplay types coming out. Hopefully as less PC ports as possible, so it's actually made for VR instead of, like, being a part of something that was released on PC. Awesome. And, uh, and finally, what do you think the ultimate potential of 
virtual reality, augmented reality, and mixed reality might be, and what it might be able to enable? Um, yeah, I think ultimate would be that, <laughs> yeah, just, you mean in terms of hardware, for example, as well? Just experience or what type of things that might be able to enable in terms of what types of experiences or where the technology could go? Yeah, I, I think like with, for example, when I see things like the Gaussian splitting coming around and having recreating environments that are like super realistic, also with like the new avatars that are being scanned and like realistic humans, it's, it's really going to be like this alternative reality that looks super realistic and you can have actual emotional experiences within that medium. Hopefully experiences will be as compelling as for example movies for example like the, with the whole story and that you're that you feel that you're really into it so we, we already do it but like the graphical power isn't up there yet to make it like really really I, I mean now people should look at ways to artistically express themselves still instead of being super realistic but I, I see that changing in the next amount of years and also with detection of like body poses it kind of makes the the difference between virtual reality and actual reality smaller and smaller so you feel more and more like as the um, like as actually as being in another reality instead of like okay a, a made virtual reality uh, if, you, if you understand what i mean like I, I want it to be as close to another reality it doesn't have to look realistic but just like that it feels like an actual experience i think the more we can do better resolution better lenses better sounds yeah it just opens up more possibilities to have better experiences, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else that's left unsaid that you'd like to say to the broader immersive community? <laughs> yeah, we talked about BAM already. So hopefully a lot of people will play it. Like it's a different experience. And, and hopefully other, all the other VR creators are being as creative as possible. Try new things. It's still a new medium. I know there's a lot of other people copying other titles and stuff, but the, the way how to succeed with VR is create experiences that don't apply to other media. So I would say like, it's still early days and just try to be as innovative as possible and, and, and use the new tech, right? So, yeah. Awesome. Well, you, you've certainly throughout the course of all the different experiences you've created helped to shape the trajectory of where the medium is going and has been going and continues to evolve both with VR and AR, with Space Pirate Trainer, Space Pirate Arena, and then coming now with BAM. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thanks again for yeah just taking the time to help uh, tell a little bit more about your story and what is getting you excited about where this is all going. So thank you. Yeah, thank you all. And thanks for the whole VR community to be as supportive as they always been. So thank you again. So thanks again for tuning in to one of my dozen episodes about MetaConnect. There's lots that I've been unpacking throughout the course of the series. And I'm going to invite folks over to patreon.com to be able to join in to support my work that I've been doing here as an independent journalist trying to sustain this work. Realistically, I need to be at around $4,000 a month to be at a level of financial stability. I'm at around 30% of that goal. So I'd love for folks to be able to join in. And I'm hoping to expand out different offerings and events over the next year starting with more unpacking of my coverage from Venice Immersive, where I've just posted 34 different interviews from over 30 hours of coverage. And I've already given a talk this week, unpacking a little bit more my ideas about experiential design and immersive storytelling. And yeah, I feel like there's a need for independent journalism and independent research and just the type of coverage that I'm able to do. And if you're able to join in on the Patreon, $5 a month is a great level to be able to help support and sustain it. But if you can afford more, then 
10, 20, 50, or even $100 a month are all great levels as well and will help me to continue to bring not only you this coverage, but also the broader XR industry. I now have transcripts on all the different interviews on the podcast on Voices of VR and in the process of adding categories as well into 1,317 interviews now that have been published after this series has concluded. So yeah, join me over on Patreon and we can start to explore the many different potentialities of virtual and augmented and mixed reality at patreon.com slash Voices of VR. Thanks for listening. 